1: Time to tune
0: in. Let's go. Welcome back to Better Thinking. My name is Nesh Nikolic and my guest today is Dr. Christopher John Hunt, who is the Senior Clinical Supervisor at the University of Sydney's Gamble Aware Clinics, which are responsible for coordinating government-funded gambling treatment throughout Sydney. Dr. Hunt First began work at the university in the then titled Gambling Treatment Clinic in early 2007. Since then, he has gained wide recognition for his work with problem gamblers. He has published work on clinical phenomena observed in gambling clients, has been asked to testify before both federal and state parliamentary committees on gambling, has been extensively quoted on gambling in local, national, and international media, and has written several pieces on gambling the lay audiences. He is also responsible for coordinating clinical supervision to psychologists and counsellors who are working in the gambling field throughout Sydney and organises training seminars for mental health practitioners working in the field of problem gambling and information seminars for the general public. Dr. Hunt has kindly come on today's episode to talk about gambling treatment and clinical phenomena observed in gambling clients. And I think you're going to really enjoy this one because I certainly have. I was able to not only learn an immense amount in in, in this field, in this space of gambling, but also this struggle that I could observe in myself of trying to fit in this gambling behavior with other theories and models in psychology. There's this bias that I'm really trying to cling on to of of saying how does this fit how does this work how can i understand this and even watching that bias uh, in myself uh, working was was fascinating because it almost speaks to how uh, sometimes people with uh, problem gambling can themselves get entangled in thought and and you know get into a you know, theory of winning and and how you know today's uh opportunity to win money might just be the uh the, the, the day so fascinating certainly for me and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did speaking with uh, Dr Christopher John Hunt Chris, a big thank you for coming onto the show
1: today well, thanks
0: for having me i'm really excited to talk to you about you know all things gambling and and, and particularly from someone who's gone out and looked at the, looked at this you know more scientific nature um gambling something that so many of us feel that we have somewhat of a handle on understanding but i know there's always intricacies in in, in all spaces and looking forward to hearing about that 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 side of things particularly with you know some of the phenomena that, that that's been observed observed mm-hmm. um in in um the sort of a gambling clients so um let me just get started how did you fall into this space this this, this interest
1: um, was- well I guess when I was at university um as well as psychology um I was really interested in in maths and and the philosophy of science and um, in some ways, working in the gambling space is is something that sort of combines all of those sort of areas. So, um, you know, as a clinician, understanding concepts such as randomness, probability, um, things like that, comes in really handy working in in a gambling treatment space. And on top of that, just sort of a lot of philosophical questions about, um, you know, control, determine, you know, a deterministic universe. Um, you know, this all sounds very um highbrow, but essentially those sort of philosophical ideas really play a lot into into working with problem gambling. So I think it's it's an interesting area that combines a, a lot of different interests as well as um a lot of societal issues. So it is in Australia at least, as well as in many other places around the world, um, you know, an issue that touches many different aspects of civil society. So it's it's Yeah, at the nexus of a
0: whole bunch of different things. It's really interesting space in in that many of us get an under, you know, have an understanding about the probabilities and hence why for most, you know, gambling, uh, or at least uh, problematic gambling is not an issue. Mm. Uh, But it is quite interesting to to think about what is someone's, you know, mind uh, or perception of what gambling looks like when it is problematic, because it it seems like there is, you know, for lack of a better word, almost magical thinking that's going on. Um, and, you know, that's probably not the right language, but uh there can be things that are, you know, on the edge of things, like, you know, people picking a certain slot machine. That uh, you know is 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 the lucky one. You know that that you know they've had success there before, and you know they might even wait for for someone to get off a machine after a certain period of time because you know now it's going to be you know I'm going to strike luck at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, but I think I would I'd say two things there, and one thing I would like to correct you on is the idea that most people understand concepts like randomness and probability, and that's actually very much demonstrably incorrect is that the greater oh, wow. majority of the population actually don't understand these concepts particularly well. Um, randomness in particular, um, I think when they've done research work, it's, you know, up to 90% of the population do understand it incorrectly. So um, so first of all, that is incorrect to, to sort of assume that problem gamblers have a different understanding of these concepts than the general public. Um, obviously, they do develop very specific um cognitions around how gambling works but they're not necessarily as you described the magical thinking sometimes they are perfectly reasonable ways of thinking that something might work Um, and they traditionally are based on ways that other things work Um, but it's just that there are very few things in the real world that are random i mean if you try and think of an example it's not tied to either gambling or um, you know, some other sort of game, it's very hard because, um, you know, most random things in our, in our world are usually developed for gambling. So things like dice or, um, you know, roulette wheels or, or lotto balls or things like that. There's very, very few natural things that are random. So it makes sense that most of the population do actually struggle with this concept. so it's not, that's not the reason why someone develops a gambling problem. Obviously, it's a contributing component, but it's not yeah. all there is to it. And it's more that what we think is more important is someone's early experiences with gambling and such that um, people who go on to, um, to gamble, and particularly those that gamble heavily, tend to have early positive experiences with gambling, whereas those who are more dismissive of gambling, tend to have negative, positive, uh, negative early experiences with gambling. So that seems to be more important than, um, you know, a general understanding of randomness and probability. That said... Can
0: you, can you sorry, yeah. Chris, can you just jump in, uh, if, if I can just jump in, can you tell us a little bit about how we do understand, or the the most sort of average person, don't know who that is, but you know, an average person understands randomness is is that that sort of space where obviously you know it's been beaten uh, into probably both of us you know that correlation doesn't equal causation Mm -hmm. um and so that sort of scientific mind looks at it and maybe that's where my my um you know filter comes from that i i look at it quite regularly um and 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 so maybe that's my attribution of, of saying others probably look at it through my own lens as well but randomness is not something that people have a good Hold old, yeah. or, or probability, my apologies, probably a better word because randomness. Yeah, well,
1: they're actually two um, separate, randomness and probability are two separate concepts that are related, but not the same thing. And so they're two very distinct, um, distinct ideas. So randomness, essentially how most people understand the ra- word randomness is um, some is that something's unpredictable. And whilst unpredictability is an element of randomness, it's it's not what defines randomness. And part of that is in our colloquial speech, we use the word random incorrectly um, uh, quite frequently. So when we say things like the weather is random or, um, you know, the buses come at random, neither of those phenomena are random, um, but it's just a person's way of saying, well, something's unpredictable. And so, when people hear something like "oh, a poker machines random," they think about it within that context of a word that's rarely used in its proper, strict statistical sense. Um, and so, it's it's not um, it's not unreasonable that people do have misconceptions about what that word actually means in this context. Um, so, what the word "random" means is, you know, strictly speaking, it's um, we're talking about independence of turns; that previous outcomes give no useful information about what future outcomes will be. That's essentially what the word um, is really getting at. But people take it to mean just generally, you know, a sense of uh, of unpredictability, or some people even use it to mean something's changing constantly, which isn't necessarily a random phenomena. Um, so there are various ways of understanding that word, which, um, when someone says to you, Oh, a poker machine's random, a roulette wheel's random, a lot of balls are random, it's people might say, Oh, yeah, I know that, but they because that word random is used in such a loose way in our everyday speech, it makes sense that people don't um fully comprehend what that means when it's referring to something like a poker machine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah, and with probability, I think the main thing that the main conception with probability is the idea that um, when we're talking about expected outcomes or probabilities, that it means that um, that if something is diverging from that, then therefore it somehow has to balance out. So, for example, if you have um, four heads in a row, when we know it's got to be 50-50 heads tails, that that means that tails have got to come soon, which is not what probability is about at all. Um, but it makes sense that people have that conception of because of the way that these terms are talked about
0: and 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 having a better understanding of concepts like a regression to the mean versus on a single turn what something might be so if you have you know turns, uh, of, uh, in, in, in a hundred thousand turns of in any given probabilities, they begin to even out the more you do. So if you do 200,000, 500,000, a million versus if you just do five of those, you can see a great skew in one. But uh, if you increase the numbers, then you're likely to have some sort of regression to the mean.
1: To an extent, but I think both the phrases regression to the mean and the other word that you, the phrase that you threw out was even out. And that's the language that people use for describing this, but that in itself can be misleading okay. because it sort of implies that if something happens one way, then it has to go the other way to sort of balance it out. And that's actually not strictly true when we're talking about regression towards the mean, what it sort of means is that over a huge number of um, turns, so if we're talking about, you know, as you say, five turns versus a million turns it's not so much that it has to even out at some point it means that in the scale of a million turns that you know five heads in a row just doesn't matter anymore so it's that's more right. of a, an issue of scale as opposed to something having to even out at some point and I think um, even though that wasn't what you were getting at when you were saying that but that sort of language is part of where some of these misconceptions come from mm.
0: and maybe that's also why it's so hard for us to understand probabilities very well because the you know even the language and the meaning around uh, what these things are is hard to to get a grasp on you know because we can talk about it in a short term or a longer term and 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 how we view these things is is, is interesting because yeah you know five tails in a row um you know for most people they're going to say oh look it's got to fall on the next one to be or at least the probability is yeah. higher that it's now going to be a heads um and it kind of sounds very reasonable um but we're kind of just flipping an individual um you yeah, flip at that time um yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely and it comes back to what i was saying before in that there's very few things in the in the real world that demonstrate this this principle so it's sort of you know in one of the examples i used earlier about the idea that the buses come at random so Yes, it's sometimes true that the buses are unreliable and that they don't follow the set schedule. But at the same time, we do know that the longer you're standing at a bus stop, eventually one of them is going to show up. Um, And that's how things tend to work in the real world. Um, But when we're dealing with, you know, devices that were specifically designed not to follow that, um, that principle, it sort of makes sense that all sorts of beliefs, come up including these sort of very shorthand beliefs that well Mm. it's got to come up eventually um even though that's not true in a statistical sense um or in a practical sense if we're talking about gambling it makes sense why someone would think that
0: yeah yeah and i think that that, that's probably where i applied that language of magical thinking obviously not not um uh, the, the the right term but uh where we can you know put put things together that correlate um and and somehow connect them together as though there's a you know a causation you know so i don't know if uh the the um you know that whole scenario of if uh, if there are, if you can hear crickets you know it's the crickets that that um you know bring the moon out you know because the the, the moon only comes out when there's crickets and you know, round and round we go. But uh, it is interesting to hear that that the early positive experiences is is, is a huge factor uh, in in this. I've I've um uh, uh, uh always thought because I am fairly extreme in a lot of things that I do, and I had one gambling experience, and and I I, I I've always felt that I was blessed because I lost um, mm-hmm. all of all of my uh, funds at the time um, in one big you know, foul swoop. Uh, it was the first time I, you know, gambled Um, and it was kind of like the last as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I always thought, wow, if I had hit jackpot just completely, you know, through, through sheer luck, mm-hmm. um, it could have been a different story, at least for a period of time. I assume it could have probably, you know, swung the wrong way, but uh t- tell me a little bit more about that positive versus negative early experiences.
1: Yeah. So well, it's one of the things that we see in pretty much all of the clients we do see with a gambling, um, with gambling harm is that they did experience, um, they did have an early positive experience when they first accounted their, and here's where I, I'll be specific, their preferred form of gambling. So, um, yeah, before I get into that early experience, I will point out that most people who experience gambling related harm will gamble on one form preferentially and i'll get why that's important in a second because it relates to this early positive experience but most people who for example play slot machines won't necessarily say play casino games or bet on the horses and vice versa some people who bet on the horses can be quite dismissive towards slot machines in particular and so on and so forth so um the stereotype of someone who has a gambling problem being someone who will bet on two flies walking up the wall or just bet on anything is actually not what we see with the vast majority of the clients we see and that's because what seems to be a sort of factor in how someone develops harm with gambling is that they have this early positive experience with their preferred form of gambling so it doesn't necessarily have to be a big win it doesn't necessarily mean that you go in with $10 and win 10 grand or something like that it just has to be something that's meaningful for you at that point in your life so It could be that, you know, the stereotypical example is it's your 18th birthday, so your mates take you to the pub, you put $10 on a horse, you win $40, and you buy a round of drinks to everyone. That's the sort of stereotypical example. It could be something more like um, someone's going through a messy divorce, and they um, go meet a friend at the pub, but the friend's running late, so they decide to put $10 in the poker machine while they're waiting, and they have a few small wins. Um, So something that $10 that should have last 10 minutes ends up lasting half an hour or an hour, and they're forgetting about their trouble because they're focused on making that money last as long as they can and they're getting enough wins to get them there, that could be it. So it's not necessarily about this this big win for all, but it's generally about having this positive experience, being up, having some winnings that, you have positive meaning attached to it in that early, early experience. And it
0: exclude the win, for example, someone where they, you know, after a difficult separation, they're gambling with a friend and the connection that they have with the friend while they still lose their, 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 their funds. So, you know, they put hundred dollars in or $50 in whatever the number is. And they, they lose it um, without any exciting, like highs and lows. It's just like, yeah, we're kind of, we're losing, but, it was a fun night because you know, I let my hair down, had a couple of beers with a friend and it's, I
1: that's rarer and because I usually, usually have that, that, some excitement. Yeah, there has to be some excitement. More. There has to be some excitement tied to the machine. So even if they lost it eventually, there has to be some wins along the way because that's what yeah. the excitement. If you every if you go to a poker machine, put I don't know, twenty dollars in and every time you push the button you lose, that's not exciting at all. So that's not fun um the fun yes there might be fun around it but then that would attach to the things going on around it so um there has to be some sort of excitement that comes from that that frizz thrill. So to speak, there's the a thrill being, of the wind yeah. that
0: you, you're up a little bit oh now we're back yeah. again oh we've yeah. won a couple of dollars oh we're down 10 again and but so long as there's kind of some sort of enjoyment of the up process.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about the money per se. You know, obviously sometimes it is. Sometimes if, you know, if you were someone that put in $10 and won, I don't know, eight grand, nine grand, I would assume that yes, that is about the money. Um, but sometimes it is more about the excitement, the thrill, the fun that comes with that up. It comes with the up. The down is not exciting or thrilling or fun. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't come with that. It comes from, as you say, the up.
0: Almost like if someone's watching sports and then your team is up and it's very exciting, but, you know, then your team can be down as well. And, you know, you lose the match at the end, but it was still enjoyable. Uh, Would have been nicer if you'd won, but it was fun while you're up. Uh,
1: Exactly. As opposed to, you know, if you go and watch your team and they just get hammered from the start, that's not fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: which is probably that 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 negative experience that that I had yeah. was was you know, going in and as a very very young man losing you know two or three weeks worth of of yeah. uh, employments well or, or wages, um, in you know record yeah. time. So although- I think. I'm-
1: And what you're describing is something very similar to, because we also I've also had a lot of experience providing counseling to family and uh, family members who have been affected by a partner's gambling or a parent's gambling or child's gambling or whatnot. And they say something very similar to what you say. And it's sort of, it's almost like a cognitive, because they've had that negative, positive experience, they go on to develop negative attitudes towards gambling. So they don't necessarily attribute it to that negative early experience, but it's, um it's almost like you have that negative experience and then you develop it's almost like you develop a um a set of beliefs sort of go with it um so it's like I don't know the example I use with uh with my clients a lot is imagine someone the first time you meet them and they're absolutely horrible they're really nasty to you um they're cranky they're just quite an unpleasant person to be around and then you meet them multiple times after that. And even though they might be completely lovely every time you've met them afterwards, you're likely to harbor that sort of slightly negative feeling about them from that first experience. And what that gets to is that first experiences are lasting and they tend to have a disproportionate large effect on our attitudes towards a person or an activity. And it's not necessarily that we're able to logically sit down and say, well, I've had this many positive experiences with someone or this many negative experiences and it should have up, up this way. It's there's always a disproportionate weight to those first experiences. And that's true of gambling as much as it's true of when we interact with people. So, um, you know, you've had a negative experience early on, even if you'd had small positive experiences after that, you'd likely to retain that negative mm. attitude towards gambling for a while. And similarly, someone with who develops gambling harm is likely to have had an early positive experience and even if you would add up the sums you would say yes they probably had more negative experiences than positive experiences over their lifetime that early experience has a disproportionate weight.
0: i was actually having this conversation last night with with uh one of one of the colleagues leaving the office and mm-hmm. we're talking about um drug taking and, and and that kind of first experience of of mm-hmm. you know for example heroin and you know the the concept of you know chasing the red dragon mm-hmm. um how it would be almost impossible to actually replicate the first experience because uh when you have never had a reference to that first experience the the the, the, the distance between the two is is so significant and mm-hmm. to then try and actually reach that you know i don't know if we can even do that you know chemically you know that 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 it, it it that the first time like a child you know tastes something sweet the, the 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 deviation is is so significant it must encode there must be something that goes on that, that that you know makes it so powerful uh that we can then kind of not see the other stuff or, or it waters down the other stuff because we know how sweet that first experience you know was or how enjoyable or whatever it whatever it did for us um the dopamine that that you know potentially provided um uh must be so unique you know in that first experience
1: yeah I, but here's the thing i think in terms of phrasing it that way i think there's separate elements when we're talking about drugs um and alcohol because part of the reason why it's difficult to get that effect again is is sort of the developments of, of tolerance and things like that but When we're talking about gambling or even anything, that idea about first experiences, it's not something that's specific to to gambling or drugs or things of that nature. It's something that's just generally true. It's it's something about our Mm, learning mm. is that, um, you know, there's multiple studies on just on principles of learning that um, there's a disproportionate weight given to early experiences with anything, whether it's positive or negative, and whether it's something like, you know, drugs, alcohol and gambling, or even something really innocuous like um you know your first experience going to school your first experience riding a horse your first experience riding yeah. a bike you know it's not um yeah the, it's it's first
0: experiences yeah 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 it's, it's just almost like a post-traumatic experience. stress can come in that space as, as well where something of, of a, a high emotional richness you know that 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 yeah. that, 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 that that's quite significant and, and doesn't matter what it sticks to it could be you know as you say any of those items which can be quite you know, uh, insignificant, but they are powerful because we can we continue to remember them.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's similar, but yeah, it's a similar process to that, but it's yeah, it's a little bit different. But it's more, yeah, as I said, it's more about the emotional attachment than necessarily about the size of the win per se. That sort of when we're talking about these early positive experiences. So, um, and I think what's interesting about gambling is it's it's we're talking about a positive experience rather than a negative experience. So. Um, You know, if we're talking about something like PTSD, there's evidence that there's different um, uh, ways in which the mind reacts to things that are fearful that we should then avoid in the future. Whereas if we're talking about gambling, we're talking about something that you're training it to be an an appetitive stimulus, something to approach. So the processes are slightly different, but I guess it's a similar idea in, in theory.
0: Mm-hmm. no it's good that's a good point one one yeah that fear response yeah most definitely is very different to a you know lean into a response that yeah. you know uh, attractive you know from a pleasure point of view so early positive experiences how, how does that tend to, you know from your experience lead to you know the the gambling related harm are there are there particular attributes that people because obviously there's plenty of people who've had a first positive experience but it hasn't developed into that and that would be true with everything but yeah uh, absolutely you know what what are the type of characteristics that tend are there characteristics that tend to come with 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 that is there a you know Um, sort of i don't know stereotypical thing around impulsivity or something um well where, where where does it lie
1: people with high levels of impulsivity are more likely to develop gambling problems but it's neither necessary or sufficient. So in terms of who goes on to develop, yes, you are 100% right. Not everyone that has an early positive experience goes on to develop, you know, gambling harm or significant gambling harm. That's absolutely true. But it does come back to some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier in that um, usually what happens is if people, for whatever reason, get into a pattern of regular play, usually what then happens is a system of beliefs will build up Um, that we call a theory of winning that my colleague, um, Dr. Fadi Anjul, he coined the term actually theory of winning. So it's basically a set of beliefs will develop about how your preferred form of gambling works. Um, And those beliefs, even though everyone has these sort of particular unique elements of the system of beliefs they come up, they tend to have common elements to them. Um, So with poker machines, it's usually about this idea that they pay in some sort of cycle Um, where they alternate between cycles where they're taking in money and taking money out. Um, If we're talking about casino table games like roulette or baccarat or things like that, it's usually that there's some sort of system that you can use to, you know, beat the house. And if we're talking about wagering, so horses and sports, um, it's it's usually some sort of idea that um, I can use my knowledge through trial and error to come up with a system that's going to lead me to beat the system um you know that's done in very you know quick grabs of what sometimes can be quite elaborate systems of belief but essentially that seems to be the the more necessary component is after that early positive experience someone who whether deliberately or acts or just through you know gambling a lot more goes on to develop these system of beliefs which encourage continuous play
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and that seems to be more of what's going on we don't know why one person might develop it or not it might just be sort of as you you know unpredictable factors like someone just had more time to go gambling a lot in their initial period or they're in a social environment that encouraged continued gambling um it could be something psychological going on in terms of what's going on in their life um you know there's all sorts of things that we're not quite sure what that is but we do know that it's yeah that this early positive experience followed by that development of beliefs. Um, the other thing that's interesting is what changes, is that it changes over time. So that focus on being up becomes more important as you go along. So both within a gambling session and um, across your sort of um, gambling uh, career, so to speak, uh, for want of better work. And so what I would mean by that is, if we think about it within a session, um, it's something I like to call the monopoly principle. So if you think, out, like, imagine that you're at home with your family and it's a rainy day and, I don't know, the Internet's out. And so you decide, oh, why don't we sit down as a family and play a game of Monopoly? Um, at that time, your motivation for playing the game is maybe you're bored and want something a bit exciting. Maybe you want to do something that's bonding with your family. Maybe you want something that's an escape from you know, thinking about whatever's in your mind, you know, there's a whole host of reasons why you could decide to get that board game out of the cupboard and play with your family. But once you start playing, once you start rolling the dice, and I'll, I'll ask you personally, what it what becomes the main motivation once you start rolling that dice?
0: Well, it used to be when I was younger, winning um yeah. now it's actually about losing because i'm playing with my daughters that's yeah tough. you know you, you have you have to kind of balance it there um you don't want to have too many tears um yeah no, absolutely i think i think you start really honing in on you know trying to win
1: yeah absolutely and the longer you play the game the more sort of important that becomes and the oh, more yeah. you know the more people start to do you know dodgy things like stealing money from the bank to get there and and that's it it's like A gambling session is the same. The reason why someone might go and sit in front of the poker machines at a club or might go to their local tab or racetrack might be varied. It might be because they're bored. It might be because they're trying to avoid thinking about something. It might be that, um, you know, they want to do something with their mates who are down at the pub that day and they just happen to start gambling. But once you're in front of that machine, once you start putting that first bet on, the win becomes more and more important the longer you're sitting there for. And you see a similar process play out over, over someone's, as I said, for want of a better word, career of gambling. So when you first start gambling, it's usually something that's done social. You do it with your friends. You might do it just occasionally. It might be relatively small amounts of money. But as the sums start to get larger, um, as you know, debt starts to grow, as you start to behind, fall behind on payments, those sort of winning motives become more and more central as you go along because it goes from yeah I want to play but wouldn't it be nice to win to wanting to win to going to a point where you need to win if I don't win today I can't pay my electricity bill if I don't win today I can't pay back so and so if I don't win today my wife's going to find out I gamble and I'm going to be in big trouble so it's that shift from wanting to win to needing to win and so it's in both cases where we're talking about in a short time frame of a gambling session or a longer time frame of across someone's lifetime of gambling the win becomes more important the longer you're there for
0: mm. and i'm assuming as well that the longer you're in it that the more opportunity you have or the more time that you have to develop these beliefs this theory of winning as well so you know uh, uh, rather than calling it magical thinking that, that the truth is there is a rationality mm-hmm. to, to this. And and if you talk to someone who has, you know, um, you know gambling difficulties, they, they can uh, uh, lay out the reasons, how they're going to, you know, beat the house, so to speak, or, you know, so long as A, B, C and D, and even though it might break down somewhere, uh, it still seems very, Logical in terms of that, it's methodical. Um, Might not be right, but it's methodical, and 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 they've spent so much time in it um, that that the belief is strong. um, And you know, I've just got to get, you know, get this to happen, and you know, then I'll be, you know, be able to pay everyone off, or you know, whatever stereotypical thing I can say. Uh,
1: Absolutely, I think that's exactly right. It's not necessarily, and I guess maybe this is why I picked up with your use of that term originally is not necessarily magical thinking because it's not they're not the theories are not sort of bizarre beliefs it's just that it's more that they they use a logic to it and there's a reasoning behind it Mm. it's just that there's usually some at least one false premise in there that means that the whole thing falls down Um, if we're talking about horses sports other forms of racing and casino table games, it is very explicit, like in that way that you're describing there. Sometimes with poker machines, it's less, the theories are there, but they're less explicit, but they're definitely there driving the behavior, but people are less able to put put them into words. They tend to be more of a, a vague sense that if I do this, this will happen. Um, the underlying thoughts are there. And sometimes part of doing counseling, doing therapy is about helping people pull those thoughts out. Um, but they tend to be less on the surface, uh, in the way you described, than what you would see in, say, someone that's betting on the horses.
0: Mm. Is there is there any element? And I'm I'm, I'm going to try and sorry, I, I might mix things up a bit here, but I, w- I want to hear your thoughts uh, with this. Is there an element that the two spaces can can relate um, where? the phenomena around when you're let let, let's call it obsessive Mm -hmm. around gambling and you know naturally there's a a yearning to get to a club tab or whatever it might be yeah it's not necessarily a compulsion per per se but i know that with the obsessive compulsive space that sometimes what we're doing is simply trying to remove the discomfort that that you know if i do x flick the switch six seven times mm-hmm. um or you know do this this many times that the I'm, I'm kind of trying to base it on a feeling if you know i need to get to a certain feeling to get this right is there ever a time where you know i am feeling which bet is the right bet um that plays into any of this or am i just kind of clutching at straws it just feels like there's, there might be something between those and obviously yeah. you, you you speak with a lot of uh, clients and I, I i haven't in my in my time that um about how someone because it, it, there's a methodology but we can't always articulate it right like you know so someone can understand Someone knows why they're betting on a particular horse, for example. Um, but it's going to be very, very hard for them to actually say, I actually know all the statistical stuff from the last 35 races because usually we're not that, usually we're not bookies.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll, 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 pick, I'll say usually, but some of them do actually do try and use that level of detail, but most of the time not. But um, look, what I would say to that as a general comment is to start off with is... Firstly, um, similarities between um, gambling problems and OCD have been, which I'm guessing is what you're getting at with the words you're using there, um, have been theorised for a very long time. And there definitely is elevated rates of OCD in people with a gambling problem and vice versa. Um, So there are similar processes. Um, I think... There's a couple of differences. One is with OCD, the emotions, the emotional reactions that are sort of prompted tend to be more on the sort of um, either usually with disgust or with a fear side of things, which is less Mm. um, something that seems to be a driver of gambling behavior, um, at least in the way you're describing. Um, But I guess the other thing is, where they sort of, I guess, differ um, is that OCD is often very focused on some, there's going to be some terrible outcome if I don't go through with this compulsive behavior. Whereas with gambling, the idea is it's not so much that there's a feared negative outcome. If I don't engage in this behavior, it's more that um, there's a sort of a focus on the possibility that this is going to work out in my favor and ignoring the probability that it's not. So as I said, it's not necessarily about the money. It can be, one might say, um, yes, it might be about the money that someone focuses on. Well, if this horse wins, then I'll, if I put $20 on, it's playing five to one, I'll get a hundred dollars. That'll solve my problems. Boom. It can be that. And then discounting the, you know, if a horse is five to one, it's probably going to lose and they're discounting that probability. But sometimes it can also be an emotional focus. So, you know, going back to someone playing the poker machines, it could be, well, I've got $100. If I just go to the pokies, I'll forget about my problems. I'll be able to relax. I'll be able to sort of be by myself for a while. And they're discounting what's probably going to happen, which is, one, they'll go over their limit. They'll end up feeling worse than when they went in. They'll feel guilty. They'll feel ashamed. They're sort of discounting that sort of negative... Um, probable outcome so it's more yeah it's it's yeah it's a similar process to OCD but there's different sort of mechanisms at play if that makes sense
0: mm. it is interesting because I mean I, I, I didn't necessarily know the connection um, that OCD has some correlation with 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 problem gambling but there is potentially you know talking this through is if i had a problem with gambling i might be feeling more and more angst in Mm -hmm. this podcast because i can't wait to get to you know be able to gamble and so Mm -hmm. as that builds there's a relief uh that that comes about from being able to uh, you know gamble and so the the obsession of i want to gamble you know whether it's about the win or you know uh, most likely as, as as you mentioned for long term problem gambling, mm-hmm. um, and then there's kind of a relief of oh, I've got there, you know, and 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 I don't feel that discomfort um, anymore.
1: I think that's what's different like is that yeah, the relief with gambling doesn't come with the behaviour. So if that was it, then just putting the bet on would cause the relief, and that's not what happens. The, the relief comes from putting the bet on and the bet if the bet gets up. So it's different from OCD where there's a relief that comes from engaging in the behavior itself.
0: Wouldn't the relief so, come from, sorry, sorry to jump in, Chris. Mm-hmm. Well, Wouldn't the relief come from just the opportunity?
1: No, the absolute putting opposite. The, on? the absolute opposite. Um, the opposite is it? So what we saw with, and this is something that we saw quite clearly with the pandemic is that when people are, prevented from gambling such as when venues are shard or they run out of money they that's when they experience relief so it's actually through so it's almost the opposite so um so no that's definitely not what what we saw and what we see clinically
0: i'm a bit confused because my thought would have been um this is so fascinating um my thought would have been that uh uh There would be, like, if if I were to go out and say, where are your suds, you know, pre-gambling, you know, you're at home, but you can't get out and you want to be, you're getting more and more agitated. And then when you're given the opportunity because you're no longer in a meeting or whatever it might be, you go down to the club and then there's a reduction in your suds. You're like, oh, I'm feeling better. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's obviously only for that session um you know that 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 gambling session so there's kind of a relief and that that relief would be there obviously the angst would probably return 50 minutes later when you've lost your money again yeah um and then your distress is up again um but there was that initial relief you know that's that obsessional thing like so you know if i flick the switch eight times i do get that relief but you know 10 minutes later yeah
1: and and i guess as i was going through that. That's why that analogy to OCD falls apart because that's not what gambling looks like at all. Um, it's sort of the actual, the sort of, um, yes, there sometimes can be an anticip- anticipatory sort of boost, but whether or not there's a relief is entirely dependent on whether or not someone wins or not. So uh, okay. there's not, yeah, there's no relief that comes from putting the bet on um, because if is you there imagine a, is so, there a sorry, relief to getting to the club. Not specific because if you think about it, if someone puts a bet on the horse, they're still in that same sense of anticipation until there's an outcome. Yeah, okay. the fact that their anxiety may even go up after they put the bet on until there's an outcome. So it's not the behavior itself that relieves any sort of uh, so. Sensation.
0: So, it's, so it's the so it's actually connected to the win, not cannot connected to the opportunity.
1: No, exactly.
0: That's where I'm getting stuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I
1: think that's that's what makes gambling quite unique in that it's very different from any other behavior because in some ways the outcome is, as um, the colleague I mentioned previously, uh, Fadi Anjul, as he pointed out, is the outcome is bivariate. It's not like a linear thing like you see in OCD or in drugs and alcohol where, um, you know, Anxiety builds. So I engage in this behavior, it takes away my anxiety. Or um, you know, if we're talking about drugs and alcohol, I'm experiencing withdrawal symptoms until I, you know, take the drug. Or, you know, if I take more of the drug, it's going to have a larger impact. Gambling doesn't work that way because every time you put a bet on, you can either win or lose. And the impact that that has on you is entirely different. So it's it's difficult to you characterizing it in the same way as these other forms of behavior actually lead you down to tricky paths yeah. and to predict things that don't actually come out so um yeah so coming back to what i was saying if if what you were saying is true then what you would see in the pandemic is that all these gamblers sort of pulling their hair out because they can't put a bet on um but what we actually saw is like oh the clubs are shut that's good i don't have to think about that for now um and there was a yeah. sense of relief
0: this is so fascinating. I, I can see my mind kind of churning over because I'm trying to package this all together in, in what I already know mm-hmm. um, and kind of say, how does this fit with with, with the rest of my kit? Um, and, and you know, uh, there, there, there's so many nuances. But it's also interesting, probably to your point as well, is um, uh, it probably therefore wouldn't also make sense that the reason for it starting is not usually the reason for it maintaining. Mm-hmm. um and 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 so you know obviously uh in someone continuing that 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 behavior it becomes something very very different
1: um yeah absolutely and but i think there that, so that's definitely true the reason why it starts isn't the reason why it continues and it's more important i guess to address the reason why it continues than to address the reason why it starts um and yeah so for example like lots of people gamble but the reason why someone comes to see us uh, for help with it isn't because they gamble. It's because once they start, they find it difficult to stop. Um, that's the problem. The problem isn't that they put a bet on in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that 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 space of you know how how someone wants gambling to feature. You know that, that mm-hmm. is it. You know something that is done for entertainment and enjoyment versus something that you know is a is something that's kind of got a hold of their life and um you know that they, they feel like it's a necessity that you know they have to pay people back or whatever it might be yeah. that you know it's it's harmful you know it's it's no longer uh you know it, it probably started with entertainment um yeah. but it, yeah it, it, it isn't yeah. anymore
1: absolutely and it's the same with you know in that way it is quite analogous to drugs and alcohol because you know they usually start as entertainment as well like no one starts out wanting to be dependent on heroin or no one starts out wanting to be an alcoholic no one starts out wanting to be a problem gambler it's something that slowly develops over time and you're 100 right it starts off as something fun as something exciting as something often social um and then yeah it develops from there
0: and then it entwines with all that entwines with all these you know that development of beliefs and that theory of winning um mm-hmm. that 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 you know, as we know as clinicians, you know the, the the belief, you know, even simple belief systems that are extremely straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm unlovable. So yeah. that's a very direct, simple, you know, thing. But a uh, theory of of uh, you know winning can be a lot more elaborate than than it, that.
1: It can be, but I guess one thing that's good as a psychologist working the theories of winning is. You know, when someone with depression develops thoughts like I'm unlovable or I'm not good enough, you know, you can't objectively challenge those. But the theories of winnings that gamblers develop can objectively be shown to be false. So I think in some ways that's an advantage of working with gamblers in that um, a lot of their problematic beliefs are things that, are, you know, you can disprove them. Um, But I think... um, which sometimes can be a challenge for therapists, because I think, um, you know, you also have to get used to telling people that something they're thinking is just wrong, which sometimes if you don't do it well as a therapist can come across as usually invalidating. Um, so I think finding that balance is or is a challenge working as a, a psychologist therapist in this space. Um, but I, I might, if, if you don't mind, there's two other things that I probably want to point out that these things we already talked about they then also combine with some sort of i guess thought patterns and ways of thinking and ways of interacting with the world which are actually quite common and quite protective most of the time to result in a relatively um poor outcome for people and so first of all something like optimism bias um generally so overestimating the probability that something good will happen and underestimated probably something bad will happen obviously with someone that's already got these theories of winning developed that's something that's normally protective for someone's mood actually now becomes something that's somewhat dangerous and encourages continued gambling um the other thing that's problematic is um what we call this um this sort of small picture focus this sort of focusing on um what's going to happen today what's likely to happen today can i can I leave the venue today being up or down? And obviously, if we're focusing on that small picture, yes, it is possible that you could go gamble today and win and leave up. Um, And often what happens is then people discount their history of gambling and their history of losses and their thousands of dollars they're down and just focus on, well, can I win today and use that money to do this or pay back my debt or just be in a good mood or whatever. And through that, they're missing the big picture, which is that not only are losses always more likely than wins, but if you look at your losses, you're this far down in the hole and there's no win that you can have at this point that's going to get you out of that, that sort of um, small picture focus, which serves people in other areas of their life. So, for example, if you have a bad day at work, it doesn't necessarily help you to think about all the other bad days at work and think about how... Um, you know, you're doomed to sort of fail going forward. If, if in those circumstances, being someone that draws a line under your previous bad experiences and focuses on, you know, the potential for positives going forward is is helpful, is beneficial, mm, mm. Um, is something that can be quite protective for someone's mood. But for someone that's developed, say, these theories of winning, that sort of focus of drawing a line oh, today was a bad day. I'm not going to think about it again. Um, I'm just going to move on and try and do better tomorrow. That way of, of approaching the world which is generally protective when it comes to gambling can take you to a bad place
0: well those two factors must must be you know quite powerful in 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 this work because i could just kind of think about the scenario of that optimism bias you know some mm-hmm. you know 80 percent of people think they're you know better than average drivers yeah. and, and if your optimism is high and and your short-term focus that's kind of small picture thinking it's like you know things can go really good today. Um, yeah. You know, and and I, I I can beat the house. I I, yeah. I can win today, and, and and so that pull becomes you know quite stronger. And as you say, that big picture thinking is harder to achieve that because that's probably where, or most likely where, probability thinking um, might start occur. Where that whole concept, and maybe you can correct me here as well, mm-hmm. um, but where that whole concept of if I start looking at long term, I will actually look at my history and go, well, I didn't win here and I didn't win there. I mean, is, is that where sometimes um, sort of keeping a, a diary can actually be helpful of, you know, to, to, so someone can actually notice, observe and acknowledge are they up, are they down and what the trends are?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and some clients are actually quite resistant when we bring this up because they don't they want to know, but, um, but yes, generally speaking, we advocate for all sorts of things of trying to keep accurate records of exactly how much you're losing, because um, even if people are aware that they're losing more than they're winning, often they still underestimate the degree by how much. Um, and it's, yeah, it's quite tricky, but I think you know to come back to what we're talking again. There's a discrepancy between you know people that bet on horses and sports, where sometimes they do believe that they're either breaking even or or making money when in fact they're losing, and people that bet on on slot machines, poker machines, um, who generally are aware that they're losing more than they win, but they're focusing on more this other aspect of the upside. But it might make me feel better, or I might be able to escape my problems for a while, and they're missing the other side of the ledger that um, no, it makes you feel guilty. It makes you feel ashamed. It makes you feel depressed. And part of the reason, and it's the cause of the problems of your life. It's not actually helping you solve them. And so it's, it's a similar sort of process, but mm. I think with horses and sports and casino table games, there's a more close focus on the money and a, an imbalance in the thoughts there was with poker machines. Um, for some people, it is a money focus, but for others, it is more about an emotional
0: Ledger, so to speak. Something that just came up in my mind that that you know, maybe I'm trying to relate things again here, but it 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 raised in my mind even this whole concept. And you know, more and more, why I'm kind of stepping away from the magical thinking, uh, you know, for lack of a better term. But that look, thinking about the methodology of of, of thought, mm-hmm. lots of entrepreneurs go into starting a business not because they want to you know uh have a regular income but they all want to become an, the next uber you know, mm-hmm. the, the next you know apple or wh- whatever it is they're, they're going for the jackpot right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and they they overestimate their capacity to to make that happen mm-hmm. um you know because we know that the probabilities just demonstrate the small business owners fail um yeah. uh, quite quite considerably but there's an optimism bias there um uh, yet they have a, a plan you know a bit of a strategy in their mind as to why their product is you know or service or whatever it might 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 be um it's quite fascinating because that optimism of of you know I'm going for being the next Uber uh rather than just you know I, I want to do something that's reasonable and average um, but a good income entrepreneurs are not doing that they they're, they're going yeah. to,
1: and I think there's an element of that. And but I think I think the thing that I try and point out with because clients, you know, you know, some clients have raised something similar like that to me. And it's like, it is true for people that do achieve great things, whether it's, you know, setting up the next Uber or, you know, Airbnb or whatever, or, you know, winning a gold medal at the Olympics, or, you know, um winning an Oscar or, you know, all these sorts of really unlikely achievements that do require require both a lot of a lot of work and a bit of luck Um, you know yes sometimes to achieve those things sometimes you do have to have a similar mindset of you know discounting your losses trying to build focus on in an almost maniacal way on trying to achieve something that everyone else says you can't achieve Um, but I guess how I sort of pointed out to clients is to sort of remind them, but you're dealing with a system, which is commercial gambling, which is set up such that you can't beat it. You can't. Um, you can't beat the casino. You can't beat, you know, a poker machine. It's It's got nothing to do with with you or your skills or how hard you try. You just can't get better at this. Um if we're talking about wagering that argument is a little bit more nuanced because it is technically possible and there are very small numbers of people who are able to to become professional gamblers through wagering products
0: well that's um, the interesting thing because entrepreneurs yeah. go you know but I could be the Uber and we're like there's only one Uber right yeah. and, and and there's all the failures and and those people who get hooked up in it have these examples like yeah but there is this person who you know wins millions and dollars in horses yeah. or something and yeah it's probably not quite accurate in, in in exactly the same way and who knows how else they make their wealth but um it's interesting we have a narrative we have really good reasoning that's why that methodology it's like yeah but there are Ubers of the world or you know yeah. there are the i don't know horse trainers of the world and it's like mm, they're not necessarily winning all their money just on races potentially
1: yeah well uh, definitely horse trainers aren't making their money through gambling i'll, I'll say that but but there are, there definitely are people who do exist, you know, and they're similar, you know, in numbers to, you know, the Ubers of the world who have been able to use betting markets to their advantage and are professional gamblers. However, one, they are much smaller in number yes. than people assume. And two, the process in which they go through is very different, and how they approach it is very different to you know, the 99.99% of people yeah. who gamble. And, you know, I think that might be a, a bigger discussion for another day. But, um, but yeah, what they're doing is different in kind, as opposed to different in, um, in, you know, a particular, it's not that, oh, they, well, they must, and I think this is the, the mistake that most gamblers make is they think, oh, well, You know maybe they're paying attention to who the trainer is and i need to pay attention to who the trainer is or maybe they're paying attention to the horse's last five starts or how much weight they're carrying or they think it's one particular feature of the horse race that they've got to pay attention to um so they can guess who's gonna who's gonna win whereas what professional gamblers are doing is um again it comes back to probability but they're looking at at sort of the expected value of a bet which is a very different way of working and a very different way of approaching it um yeah maybe a little bit beyond our discussion today, but yeah it's it's more yeah. that I guess that's the argument with wagering is showing that if you want to succeed in this, what you've got to do is something that's different in kind and it's something that's very difficult to do that requires like an almost actuarial level understanding of mathematics that you know the greater majority of the population just doesn't have.
0: what are the the tools strategies perspectives that you have found have been most effective when working with clients uh in 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 this that um uh, uh and in how what what are the ways that you've assisted um that the adoption the understanding the the capacity to uh, you know uh see what you're seeing you know for to, to assist clients to see that
1: yeah and i think in some ways if i was to put it in a phrase it'd be something that's not too different from how you'd approach any you know psychological problem. It's from you know helping the client see the world for as it is and not how they want it to be, and helping them navigate that. And part of that is helping them understand and see all the sort of hidden assumptions, beliefs, things that are going on that are driving their behaviors and their emotional reactions that they're not aware of. So it's about providing them with awareness. And I guess part of that's helping them slow down. So, um you know when someone's caught up with gambling the same as when someone's anxious or depressed or has a problem with drugs and alcohol it's almost they go through these cycles of thoughts almost on autopilot so it's about helping them slow down and say hey what are you thinking at this point what do you think at that point is there another way you could look at this is there another way you can approach this um and teaching them that skill to sort of stop and think and and reflect on what they're doing what they're thinking at any one moment um i think that's you know ge- the general approach to gambling as well as the general approach so i'd say pretty much anything um then you're mm. working with
0: very very uh like um uh, at least the way that i'm i'm hearing it that obviously if someone's able to you know, be a bit more mindful slow down pause and therefore be a bit more considerate about you know whether it's their thoughts what their assumptions are the beliefs that they're holding um see the world maybe as it is so have some more data points i.e you know if you go out and actually record your winnings and and and, and losses and and look at actual probabilities about can you beat commercial gaming machines um uh, and you know notice your own sensations and feelings and so on and then obviously some committed actions and whether that is about and values my, my, my apologies uh, about why you want to even be doing that you mm-hmm. know is, is 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 it taking time away from your family is it eroding some relationships or other opportunities that you might be missing um, that are also meaningful and valuable to you and is there something that you can do about that or at least small steps
1: yeah, absolutely. But I think, yeah, there's as well as that, there's also elements, obviously, from what we're talking about of, you know, more tradition, traditional, almost, you know, Becky and cognitive work focusing on, you know, different thought traps that people can get caught in. Um, there's, you know, almost DBT like elements focusing on, you know, radical acceptance of, of the consequences of your previous um. Uh, actions but it's not I wouldn't call it eclectic because it all comes from a unified place of of what what drives this behavior and and what we've got to do to sort of focus on it so it's about yeah I guess bringing it to put it in a nutshell in a few sentences it's about one highlighting how it's this focus on on being up that's driving the behavior and that people are discounting the probability of ending down um, then it's that Thing that we spoke about of tra- trying to take that step back look at the bigger picture there uh, rather than focusing on the small picture and then acceptance that um firstly that gambling's not going to change it's not all of a sudden going to turn into something where you can make huge amounts of money and on top of that acceptance of um yeah the consequences of your actions which can be financial primarily or it can be on your relationships and whatnot um so
0: yeah there's i guess the sort of steps generally of of working with someone in this space social policy i mean you Mm -hmm. you work in in this in this space and you've seen obviously the harms and the like what 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 do you think would be useful what would you you know contribute to, to to social policy obviously we we pride ourselves with uh you know people having choice and and Mm -hmm. we know a lot of people enjoy uh you know gambling as a form of entertainment and you know it can be um fun for many and then obviously there's this other other part where like anything that 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 can be a destructive nature any thoughts any contributions that that you would have for you know how do we do this
1: situation even Look, it's a very broad question, and obviously there's different forms of gambling and there's you know little tweaks here and there um as well as some big tweaks here and there with different you know forms of regulation around with gambling. but I think as as a starting point, I think the thing that has to change first is a conceptualization of and I think this is often how the public discourse goes from politicians from from the media is that most people are fine with gambling and then there's this this small group of of people who have a problem with gambling who need to be protected from it but everyone else is fine and that's that's not really what we see and it's not how it works there's really a continuum and it's not that there's this unique group of people who are, are particularly vulnerable and everyone else is fine everyone has the potential to slip into gambling harms most of the processes driving gambling behavior aren't um you know these majorly pathological thought patterns They're as we sort of described thought patterns that are quite common uh, and sometimes protective in other areas of life that somehow mm. get attached to this particular um behavior this particular activity that's leading to a negative uh outcome as opposed to we're dealing with this small group of people who are somehow you know diseased or pathological or something like that. so I think the narrative had to change to think about gambling harm as a continuum as opposed to there being you know this small subset of people um who are harmed who need to be protected to realizing that there needs to be a range of interventions a range of messaging a range of um ways of working that can address anyone that comes into contact with with gambling um, so through education campaigns through limits on advertising and promotion through um counseling services for those who are at the pointier ends support services um, you know that that way of focusing it on as a range as opposed to um a more of a disease sort of way of looking at things
0: and any anything that that you've seen from your work in terms of that that, that that's been particularly helpful for loved ones that are you know observing um you know someone that they care about in in this space you know what's helpful from from your perspective for for them to be aware of to know to you know how to and obviously it's, it's difficult to say in a broad sense because you know, it's much more nuanced in the therapy that you would be doing mm-hmm. with with the history and the like but are there any broad sort of things that you could comment on
1: i think working with family members the main thing that they that helps for them is just for them to have someone listen to them and know that they're not alone that this is not something that they're it's a problem that's unique to their family and that there are people here to listen and support you who aren't going to judge you. I think, I know that sounds like a bit glib, but, you know, as we know, those sort of non-specific aspects of therapy are often um, sometimes the most, most important. Yeah. But on top of that, I think the elements that we work through with family members is really about um, supporting, protecting themselves um, through their loved ones, gambling and doing things, whether that's financially or psychologically um, protecting themselves, at the same time as helping them work through strategies to help um, support a person, change their gambling behavior without necessarily issuing ultimatums and demands, which tend not to be particularly effective. Um, And on top of that, making sure that people get the message that if someone does choose to continue to gamble, it's not your actions don't cause it um, that you're not responsible for someone else's gambling, um, which can be in some ways empowering, but in some ways also disempowering because if you can't control someone's gambling, it means you can't stop them either. Um, But um, yeah, so it's about information, yeah information support and helping them protect themselves both psychologically and financially.
0: And once again, the, there's those challenges around around language and meaning, you know, control versus influence, um, yeah. and, and we're spot on. You cannot control, you know, no one can control anyone, you know, unless yeah. you're you know, potentially incarcerated or something, and even that is to a degree, um, you then can't control what they might necessarily do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, it can both have that, you know, um, relief side of uh, you know I'm not contributing to this, but at the same time, it therefore means oh, I can't anything about it but yeah we're back in the nuances and the, the reason why we love our work yeah. um, where can people find out more uh, you know on, on this topic is there's certain areas that you would um, suggest that how do we find out more about um, uh, uh, this uh, theory of winning as well that sounds fantastic
1: yeah so for generally if people want support help further information in new south wales um, you can go to gambleaware.newsouthwales.gov.au. Um or there's a nationwide um gambling support uh, hotline one 800 858 858 Um but yeah, and um for more information about you know some of those more specific um aspects of gambling, um, you know, there's definitely yeah research articles on that so um yeah we can maybe be in touch later about and I can give you some details on 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 some more yeah specific resources and details on on those sorts of things but yeah but generally speaking I think um um yeah there's lots um lots of information also available about how different forms of gambling work so how poker machines work how um horses work or how betting markets work um how horses work that's more of a biological thing i guess um um but yeah so i guess all i would say to people is if you're looking up this sort of information just try and make sure you're getting it from a reputable sport whether it's a, a rec uh, reputable source so you know, sometimes with YouTube, you can find things that, you know, pay me $10 and I'll tell you the secret on how to make money on the poker machines and all these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, but, um, you know, usually government back sources or um, uh, university back sources are going to give people more reliable information on, on, on these sorts of um, topics. It's
0: been extremely fascinating and and, and so enjoyable to, to talk this through and, you know, uh, bounce these ideas and the nuances, and, and and also you know this space around you know whether it's randomness or probabilities or you know how we uh, develop ideas. And I think that that word of you know developing is mm-hmm. is, is really important because it, it it's not fully structured at the start, and over time we develop these these uh, you know maps that uh, or enmeshment you know of, of ideas that becomes very very you know complicated before I let you go. I need to I need to ask one more question, which is is that a roulette wheel behind you? Um and how do you know yeah. that if it is?
1: <laughs> no, it is. It definitely is. Um so I always um so if someone was coming to my office they'd see a roulette wheel. I've got a you know dice here on the desk in front of me. I've got a little simulator poker machine, all sorts of things like that. So there's you know we use demonstrations in, in the therapy room because um you know it's important to get these concepts you know people get their hands around the concept so to speak um so yeah that is a rule well
0: good clinical practice i think i think uh you know do, doing um you know exercises or or, or activities makes it definitely makes it stickier um so yep. you know, it's lovely to see that was great and, and really fascinating because there's so many sort of cross points but um you know trying to kind of Fit this into you know uh, other other theories and, and, and modalities, and although they're uh, sometimes applicable, it's like no, the data is not necessarily showing that these are just theories and ideas. Like you just put them together, right? You just make things yeah. up as you go, you know? Yeah,
1: and I think that's that, that's it. how we
0: connect things. This this is exactly how people develop beliefs.
1: Yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's it. It's sort of like hmm. you know, it's sort of what you're what you some of the things you were describing is sort of like. Um, the sort of analogies to OCD PTSD drugs and alcohol like lots of people have at various points in times that sometimes that's they've been the dominant ways of looking at things so obviously the drug and alcohol framework is the dominant way of looking at things now prior to that it was an OCD type framework and things like that so I think but it doesn't quite fit anything quite right and so I think while it's, sometimes these models can be useful they sometimes can sometimes take you. Yeah, there are differences enough, that, yeah, you've got to be mindful too of what as well.
0: It's it's just fascinating to watch how, how our brains work. Saying you know, it, it's like that 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 bias. I need to fit it in the information I've already got.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of how the theory of winning develops, essentially. For talking yeah, about
0: exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, because exactly. yeah.
1: instead sort of yeah, you're trying to fit something which doesn't fit, like randomness, into our other ways of thinking about the world. So, love it,
0: love yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time, Chris, and, and, and um your your wonderful intelligence on this on this topic and the nuances. It's it's been so fascinating and, and um, you know, I've certainly got plenty out of it, and I'm sure the listeners will as well. So thank you so much for your time.
1: No problem at all.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please support it by going to iTunes and putting a review, subscribe, share it via social media and tell others about it start a conversation it's listeners like you that make this able and possible and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources and just lastly if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team develop your experience and get into some exciting work come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out i'd love to hear from you